Welcome to another Bibliophile Adventures podcast with me, your host. Uh, actually, I'm a guest. <laughs> with me, um, the famous intern Michael from the Baltic Seas. Yes, I am coming to you. Uh, probably not very live, uh, but hopefully I'm still alive. I'm coming to you from the sunny, sunny Baltic coast where I am currently enjoying a Lagunitas, Lagunitas uh, IPA, which is an India Pale Ale, uh, brewed by some uh, Lithuanian-sounding guys in California who do their actual brewing in the Netherlands. And if that makes any sense to you, good luck. Uh, such is life. It's a decent beer. Uh, it has some funny stuff on there, like... Uh, Beer speaks, people mumble. <laughs> um, I, so it's uh, my little taste of the Baltic for you. I made it through a rough uh, house move. I guess it's obvious because I'm in another country and um, I'm just settling in or kind of getting through a rough um, settling in, hence the beer and the podcasting. Uh, and... Um, I had a lot of time on my hands due to uh, the situation out there. <laughs> uh, lockdown um, is still kind of happening in Europe and a lot of stuff is kind of melting down even if we are coping kind of okay, mostly, maybe. Um, so um, all you American friends, I really feel it. Um, hang in there. Don't be stupid, wear a mask, stay at home if you can, um, get it delivered to your door, <laughs> and um, I have had a lot of time on my hands at strange times of day and night to read books, and all my books were packed up in boxes, so I read some pretty weird, <laughs> pretty, pretty flippin' weird books, um, I didn't make it through Frankenstein. I made it through um, Kim by Rudyard Kipling. And I definitely want to talk a little bit about that. Even though um, it's a terrible book in many ways, that has never stopped me before. I made it through, yeah, here it is, Kim. Um, I made it through uh, the, the Second Coming by Walker Percy. These are basically just all the books that didn't get packed because I didn't care so much about them. <laughs> um, but I also did make it through two books, having got here, that I, I really wanted to read. And because life kind of just stopped for a few days, I had time to read a book. And I got through The Broken Sword, finally, by Paul Anderson. Paul Anderson, Paul, Paul, whatever, it's great. Um, it was hard going, uh, but that is great. Maybe you can find an audiobook, I'm betting, these days. Um, I was reading it in the Fantasy Masterworks edition, and I do suggest you check that you get... Uh, do make sure that you get the original version from 1945, and not the uh, changed uh, version Poole Anderson himself changed it a little bit, a tiny bit, don't worry. But check which version you got, the old one is better. And um, 
that is a classic book that inspired Michael Moorcock, um, my hero, my literary hero, <laughs> and um, many other things. And it was published at the same time as The Lord of the Rings. And it is very different in some ways and is very alike in other ways. Even the title, There's a Broken Sword. So, um, Broken Sword... I don't know if the audio book is on Audible, but why don't you go and support Nerdy Legion by getting the Audible uh, code from nerdylegion.com and making that your free audiobook. That would be a good choice. Um, another good choice. Again, it's pretty old. I don't know if they have this stuff. I'm betting they probably do. I got it here in another Fantasy Masterworks um, uh, printing uh, edition. These editions are really cool because they have a foreword by somebody, um, somebody awesome who I've never heard of, uh, but always like a little personal note about the author. And in this case, the, um, this, this book I actually want to talk about. This is Patricia McKillop's The Forgotten Beasts of Eld. This book was published, ooh, a long time ago. This is from 1974. She has been around for a long time, uh, writing all the time. Michael Moorcock, um, I guess almost a contemporary. They're both still with us, thank goodness. Patricia McKillop is, um, I would say famously, but she's famously not famous. I mean, she keeps herself to herself, apparently. Doesn't have a website. Uh, not a huge self-promoter. She just is there and she writes cool books. So, um, she is one of the authors who are listed in the new Appendix N. Uh, in the new version of Dungeons & Dragons, some call it the 5th edition, whatever. Um, the Player's Handbook has got an Appendix E. Uh, suggested reading, inspiration. And the old Appendix N in the original D&D books was famously a little bit heavy on... Um, Dudes, it was very male. I always think maybe dudes should be a generic term. I think girls should be dudes too, but whatever. Um, yeah, dudes is just a word that means like uh, someone who looks cool, right? Snappy dresser. But anyway, um, it was very male-centric. The new Appendix E is a bit better. So uh, someone on Reddit has very kindly... Um, thrown up a huge list of all the appendix ebooks. Normally, the D&D uh, listings just say, here's a cool author, read everything, or like, read this series. And someone on uh, this appendix e book club, uh, thank you, you adventuring Kimbers, you can find the huge appendix e book club um, listing by title, and you can work your way through it if you're that if you're that dedicated, if you're a little bit crazy, which we all are, that's fine. Um, you can dig through like hundreds of these old and quite new fantasy books. There's a lot more uh, female authors on there now. It's a lot more balanced. It's a little better, I think, in terms of representation. Um, and just everybody's better off for that. Uh, it has a weird amount of Piers Anthony on there. I don't know why they picked his Apprentice um, Adept series. Not totally sure about that. Not my favorite. Didn't I don't remember anything about that series. Um, 
they have uh, Terry Brooks, which I love. Um, still got a lot of old pulp stuff on there, just pulp classics, which are great. Uh, Lynn Carter, yes, good. Um, and uh, Lovecraft, it just says the complete fiction of Lovecraft. So there you go. You should read the whole thing. <laughs> um, Hickman and Weiss, Dragonlance. So it's kind of come full circle because that's a D&D inspired novel, um, series of novels. And uh, Andre Norton is on there. Another great uh, lady, female author from the first Appendix N. And digging down to 100 and, uh, 104 you get to the Forgotten Beasts of Eld. This book is really different from all of the Appendix N um, novels and stuff that I have read so far, and I kind of dipped in and out of a, a ridiculous number of these, really, especially if you consider the new Appendix E listing. Um, there's a lot of Discworld on there. I pretty much read that until it got boring. Um... And a lot of other series I kind of dug through. Um, some of them I can't bear to dig through, so I kind of know them, and I kind of know, know enough about them. But um, Forgotten Beasts is a really weird book. It is not your classic. Um, it's not your classic sword and sorcery. So the protagonist, firstly, she is a wizard, which is okay, fine, you know. We got some uh, magic user um, heroes, got some magical people as our fantasy heroes. Typically, um, they might combine the sword and the sorcery, or uh, like Conan the Barbarian, Conan the Sumerian, sorry, sorry Arnie, um, they might be swords against sorcery, so anything magical is always suspect. Um... This protagonist, her name is Sybil or Sybil. Uh, there's a lot of totally unpronounceable names or like really ambiguous names. I can't begin to list them. All of the names are really hard to pronounce to yourself. And I'm pretty experienced at this. <laughs> uh, fantasy readers, uh, pulp readers, uh, sci-fi readers um, get really good at pronouncing names that really should never have been written down. Um, but I don't know, the, the hero is called Sybil, Siebel, Siebel, Sybil, is it meant to be like, um, a reference to Sybil, the prophetess, maybe, like the Greek myth? Yeah, maybe. Um, the, uh, one of the two, uh, bad guys, and they are both guys, um, all the, all the, all the men, uh, all the, all the bad guys are men in this book. Um, and all the women are good guys. Just, just a spoiler. Um, one of the, one of the bad guys is called Mithran, which someone has pointed out on Wikipedia. So whatever, but still, uh, Mithran is, um, sounds a lot like one of Gandalf's names in the Lord of the Rings. Um, so maybe she was having a dig at Tolkien. I don't know. I didn't feel any of this vibe in the book. I thought it was just um, fantasy authors being fantasy authors and giving people weird names. There you go. Uh, th then again, another character is called Tamlorn, which sounds a heck of a lot like uh, Tanalorn, which is a Rob uh, 
which is a Michael Moorcock thing. Could also be Tamlin from the fairy tale. So there's a lot of this ambiguous stuff. Anyway, so um, the heroine, hero, she's uh, she's kind of a nerd. She doesn't really go on adventures, to be honest. She likes to stay at home. She does go on adventures um, secretly, late at night. Um, she prefers to stay at home with her animals. That's the Forgotten Beasts. Uh, she grew up in a pretty isolated um, wizard's tower, so that's good. That's a good trope. Uh, up on this mountain, Eld, there you go. And uh, she collects animals, so she's very nerdy. She's a collector. Um, she's one of us. And uh, she has to call these animals, and it's kind of ambiguous whether the animals want to be called. Um, I mean, they're animals, right? But they're legendary beasts, so they all have magical powers, like there's the boar of wisdom. <laughs> I couldn't get this image out of my head, this sort of wise pig. Um, some of them seem to have like unspecified magical powers apart from being really cool. Um, big animals that can talk. Uh, um, mercifully, there's no kind of system of uh, here's how you catch an animal with magic powers, and here's what the magic powers do. It's just kind of, here's some interesting stories, like myths and legends. Um, actually, they constantly quote uh, various myths and legends throughout the whole story um, without any explanation, which is great. Too much explanation is a bad thing. Um, so she's a nerd. She collects her animals. The, the closest she gets to having an actual real adventure is that she goes um, and robs other wizards. <laughs> so she goes and steals um, a presumably just books, big old books of lore and like info about these magical beasts. Because once she knows their names, she can uh, call them and they'll come. And that's as much as we know about how that stuff works. She needs the books. <laughs> Couldn't, I don't know why. Couldn't just have a list of names, apparently. Uh, but she needs the books. Um, she's a big reader. Um, she's basically like a perfect uh, hero, really, for the Nerdy Legion. That's what she does all, all day long. She collects stuff and she reads books and she just like hangs out. Uh, so she's great, you know. And um, she, even, she even has a podcast. Look, she, she sits in her room and she talks to these animals. <laughs> okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> she talks to these uh, creatures, mythical creatures, you know glamorous creatures of wonder um, who can mysteriously hear her voice through some means. Uh, I'm really sorry. It's not, a, it's not an analogy, okay? <laughs> um, dear listeners, please, please don't, don't cancel me. Okay, um, so she, she's a nerd. She collects and she reads books and she's happy. She's so happy. Um, and if only it could stay like that. So one day, um, an armed and armored uh, guy, person, turns up at the door and hands her a baby. And she's like, no, <laughs> don't give me this baby. What are you doing? Um, it's the king's son or something. It's sort of super unclear what the politics are. At least in my low, in my low mental state, it was very unclear. Is it really the king's kid, or do they just think that he is? 
super unclear, and she agrees somehow to raise the child and keep it secret. It's like, well, you have all these magical beasts, so can you look after him? Okay, fine, you know, it'll stop a war or whatever. So she's like, okay. Um, and that's kind of her step into the dangerous world of loving people and relationships and politics. Because up till now, I mean, she lived, her dad was a wizard and he took off and um, all of her family were just into this magic and that's all they cared about and they just they just left. Um, so her best friend is the witch woman who also doesn't spend a lot of time with her uh, but is more worldly, so she kind of gives advice. And um, she agrees to look after this kid, and of course there's intrigue, and uh, she gets drawn in slowly but surely, um, and she discovers what it's like to um, want to call someone's name who's not just another uh, weird talking animal, but actually a person. And... So the whole story is about this calling um, and what do you do when you're called? Do you, um, and are you free? Are you free to, to choose? Um, and it's also like heavy in, about revenge because um, it was the 70s. Uh, content warning, I guess, is coming. Um, it was the 70s. Consent was not um, a thing. Uh, per se, a lack of consent, maybe. <laughs> um, but uh, so in the story, um, there's there's the king whose son she's just raised, and he um, obviously he's attracted to 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 Sybil, Sybil, and like everyone is in the story, by the way, pretty much everybody, and um, he's also afraid of her and he wants to control her, so he pays this other wizard and why the other wizard um, takes the job I mean it doesn't make sense so the other wizard takes the job and calls her to the king and says okay I'm gonna wipe your mind and take away your free will and you're gonna marry the king and just do whatever he likes and she's like no <laughs> which is good um, and the wizard is is like yeah you know what I should just do it to you and I'll keep you anyway um, and she's like absolutely not which is also very good. But the thing I haven't mentioned, she's also a stone-cold killer. Um, she's not a nice hero at all. She's not like just um, cotton candy, okay? She's not uh, by any means um, some kind of uh, knight in shining armor. She's trying to call this ultimate mythical beast, which is this beautiful thing, like a beautiful uh, swan or something. And instead, she got this nightshade creature, night night stalker or something. I think it says. Anyway, and this this creature's name is so dangerous you can't even say it forwards. So they say it backwards, which is pretty hilarious um, because it sounds funny. And um, so they go around saying this creature's name backwards. And <clears throat> so um, she keeps getting this creature. And she's not sure why, because the creature tells her, hey, look, you called me, lady. Who do you want me to kill? So he, she first of all tries it on the dude, um, on the man that she falls in love with. Uh, but he's, he's not afraid, so he doesn't get killed. Uh, 
there you go. Uh, <laughs> so he passed the first test, you know. Um, but of course, the evil wizard guy definitely gets killed by this creature. Uh, just before he can blank Cybel's mind, um, she whispers the name of this night creature and blam. Um, the wizard is dead. He's actually crushed to death somehow. Weird. Very weird. Um, and you later on you find out that that happened to the king as well. The bad king. The kind of... Um, yeah. The king who didn't think much of consent, right? So, um, he... Uh, she she's a stone cold killer. I mean, she's not a she's not a warm and friendly personality except for her animals at all. Um, in fact, the the man who loves her keeps saying, "Oh, you're my queen of ice," or something like this. Okay, so and everybody says like, "Oh, she's really icy." So um, I found that fascinating. Like that's that's how she's characterized. Um, the book is not it it doesn't go in for all this flowery language at all. It's very short, actually, uh, which is great. It's less than 200 pages, uh, which is so good for one of these fantasies. Um, and the chapters are short, too. Um, but the language is very, like, uh, simple. Um, she occasionally throws in, you know, fancy words and stuff like that. But you have to do that if you're a writer. I think it's fine. Um, So she has, she has this monster, I'm going to quote a little bit, not too much. <laughs> so she leafed through the pages, searching for a few brief lines and found them finally. She sat down on the floor, the heavy book on her lap and read silently. And there is that fearsome monster which awaits men around dark corners, through dark doorways, in the blackest hours of the night. Only the fearless survive looking upon it. It is called a Romalb when spoken of, for fear, for to speak its name truly is to summon it. She smiled slowly. Romalb, she said aloud, and turned the name around on her tongue. Blamor, and looking up, she saw it finally. Ooh, spooky stuff. Okay, so it's kind of like a ghost story a little bit. And... um I mentioned it's about revenge, so even though she's all like, oh, I just love my books and my weird animals, um, Cybele is by no means um, just a wallflower. As soon as somebody messes with her, she goes to take revenge, um, ultimate revenge. So the wizard dude bites it um, very quickly. Um, and she runs away, obviously. Then she marries um, Corin, who is the warrior who handed her the baby in the first place. I don't know, there's all kinds of like uh, psychological things going on there, but whatever. Um, she actually marries him and she settles down with him in his nice castle full of people and wonderful friends and relatives. Um, and oh yeah, they're having this war with this terrible king from earlier, but um, well, she's going to just stay out of it. And she promises never to um, get involved in any way at all. Um, whereas, actually, all the time she's planning, okay, let's go to war straight away and destroy this king in every way possible, make him really suffer. <laughs> so, um, 
she's by no means like a fainting violet. And she has these plans um, just hidden from her husband completely. Uh, how he cannot notice a huge war being planned. I don't buy that really. But anyway, the, so the idea is that he's this dreamer. Okay, that, that's why he, uh, she, he fell for her. Because he's a bit of a dreamer. He believes all these weird legends. And then all the legends come to life. They're going to use the monsters to attack the king and so on. And he finds out, and there's the big kind of uh, moment, climactic moment. Why Why did you lie to me? Um, what have you done to yourself? You know, this feeling that revenge is only going to destroy the person who takes revenge. Um, and so there's kind of a very subdued ending, a very sad ending. Um... Actually, it's it's kind of it's kind of cool. It is very <laughs> it's very much um, a gameable uh, story, as they say, because basically she she realizes, yeah, I, I'm using all these animals and I'm using all these people to get back at this guy who wanted to use me. And look, how how am I better than him? Um, isn't this exactly what he wanted? So she lets all the animals free. They're wild animals, for goodness sake. Everything goes bonkers, crazy. Um, that is a great ending. It is very much worth digging through the, um, the parts that for me are a bit longer, you know, the long descriptions of like the, the nice families and stuff in the castle and all that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's fine, but it's not exciting for me. And then the wild animals going crazy everywhere. I'm not going crazy actually, but just, um, doing their things. Wild animals do, um, but in the middle of this kind of pitch battle. So that's that's great. Um, and leading people off into the forest, you know, because they are mystical beasts. People want to hunt them, actually. Um, and not they're not so much scared of those creatures as fascinated by them. So there's chaos, wonderful chaos at the end of the book. Um, so all in all, it's, it's a brilliant fantasy novel. Plenty of twists and turns. I wondered if I should spoil the big twist, of course. It, the book is from 1974, okay? I think I can spoil it by now. Uh, so if you really want to read this book or listen to it on Audible or something, hey, go get it and then listen to this podcast later. Um, it's a short book. You'll be fine. So, spoiler alert over. Um, the Night Stalker Beast is actually her mystical beast of beauty as well, like on the other side. Uh, because obviously she's been trying to call it. It was there all the time. Uh, killing people for her, by the way. <laughs> so kind of reflecting whatever was in her soul, maybe. Um, this uh, this revenge, the need for revenge. And um, at the end, it transforms into this beast of beauty, you know, after this moment of forgiveness when... Obviously, yeah, her relationship is in a mess, right? So there's a moment of, of uh, reconciliation. And um, it's kind of a happy ending, kind of a fairy tale ending, but then this is a fairy tale. Um, and by no means um, a happy Disney tale. It's a, it's a dark tale. <laughs> uh, so it's a real fairy tale. Um, Yeah, it's it's by no means typical of any of the other books on this list. Um, I don't think I read it on purpose either. It popped up 
while I was living back in Germany on one of the many community bookshelves and I noticed it was a fantasy masterwork so I had to get it uh, but I couldn't get into it until now until things got really crazy and I'm glad um, not that they got crazy but I'm glad that I read it finally So the beasts, the beasts are a bit of a mystery, um, especially this boar whose name is the Lord of Wisdom, or whose kind of title, right? Um, this boar keeps giving these huge, heavy hints all the time, not very subtle, about what's going to happen and what people should be doing, but they just ignore it all the time, <laughs> pretty much, um, and... Um, except for one time, which is when uh, Corin follows the boar's advice and um, asks Cybel the name of her um, death shadow creature friend, and that's how he almost gets killed. So great advice. Maybe that's why people don't listen to his advice. Um, you you always either follow it wrong or you ignore it wrong. Maybe that's maybe that's the nature of wisdom. Maybe that's the idea of the book. <laughs> it's you always get it wrong. That's why it's wisdom. If you were wise, you wouldn't need to. You wouldn't need the wisdom. <laughs> um, so maybe that's maybe that's the subtext of this book. Because <laughs> a lot of basically everybody in the book makes really bad decisions all the time, constantly all the time. Um, Maybe that's what I really like about the book. <laughs> There's absolutely, absolutely nobody has a good plan in this book. Um, nobody makes a good decision. <laughs> um, there's some funny lines in the book as well. I don't, I don't think it's the best writing ever. I'm not totally sure why she won an award for this book. I don't think it's great writing. That's why it was hard to get into. Um, but once you do, it's worth it. You need to get about halfway. Um, for the 1970s, I guess it was just fine. Um, but it's a book about freedom, um, about wisdom, and a book about revenge. Um, I have the feeling maybe these, these themes pop up in her other books. I would definitely read them. Um... Because some of her other ones, two of her books won awards. Ombria in Shadow, which again sounds kind of similar. The Night Shadow thing, maybe, is a theme there. Um, the Sorceress and the Signet, which could be this book. Like, there's a Sorceress and a Signet, for sure. Winter Rose, you got that winter theme again. Harpist in the Wind, well, okay, whatever. It's a good fantasy title. Um... I think I need to read more female fantasy authors. <laughs> that, that's a good takeaway, too. Um, I think at the moment, let me get serious, um, stuff is getting crazy, really crazy. Um, it's a good meditation on uh, engaging with real life, I would say. Yeah, um, and the, the really crazy thing is not to engage, is, is not to engage with real life. That's the really crazy thing. Um, 
let's be honest, half of the stuff that's happening now is not because people are crazy necessarily, not because people are really messed up necessarily, but just because we're so far away from real life, right? <laughs> um, problems we've got right now, I mean, they're huge problems, but a lot of it is just, we should be able to deal with this. Um, yeah. And there's a cost of getting involved in this messy stuff. There's a huge cost, right? Um, yeah, but we got to engage with the with the real stuff, and uh, that's what this book is about. You know, ultimately, in this relationship of this the sorceress and the swords man who fall in love, you know, what what saves them is they're being honest with each other. And he loves her even though he lied. she lied to him. She lied to him. She betrayed him. And he still came back and he forgave her. And uh, and that's the difference between him and the king. In the story, again, the king, actually, he gets betrayed, right? So it's exactly, that's exactly what happens. Um, yeah. And, hey, look, you can't, uh, you can't stop loving someone just because they betrayed you. <laughs> um, simple as. Like, I don't know, I'm been through some stuff with my uh, with my home country and uh, felt felt pretty betrayed. <laughs> um, never planned to go back there, but but if I had to, if I if, if I thought I could help, I would go back. Of course, I would. Yeah. Okay, a short one this time. Um, back for more soon. And wish me luck. <laughs> this is Michael signing off from the Baltic Sea. Uh, thank you so much for um, having me on this amazing podcast. Uh, Michael from Texas. Uh, the best Michael, of course, is Michael from Texas. Um, yes, this is Bibliophile Adventures podcast for the Nerdy Legion. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Please do it. Signing off. Sayonara.